630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Fast start for the Montreal Canadiens. Yes, Barry Kotkaniemi scores three and a half minutes into the game. Eric Stahl scores a minute 40 later. And now with nine minutes left in the first period, the Canadians lead the Jets 2-0 in game one of the best of seven North Division final. Coming up later, it is game two, the Golden Knights and the Avalanche. The Avalanche up 1-0 in the series. In fact, they have yet to lose a playoff game. Remember, they swept the St. Louis Blues, so they will look to keep rolling tonight against the Golden Knights. Tomorrow, Bruins and Islanders and Hurricanes and Lightning. The NHL draft lottery was held within the last hour. Oil Country knows all too much about the draft lottery. Of course, the Oilers not in it this year. They did tweak the rules. Only two teams were selected instead of three. So you could only move up uh, or you could only move down two spots if you were the uh, team with the worst record in the NHL. That didn't happen. Buffalo won the lottery and stayed with the first overall pick. There was a change at number two. The Seattle Kraken were drawn. So the expansion team will pick second overall. That bumps Anaheim down to number three. All the uh, Canadian teams who are in the lottery staying put. Vancouver will draft ninth overall. Ottawa 10th and the Calgary Flames 12th. So that's a little bit of a lowdown there for what's going on in the hockey world. going to be fun tonight. We have Luke Gazdick checking in between 6.30 and 7. The former Edmonton Oilers enforcer announced his retirement on the weekend. So we'll look back on some of the highlights of his career. Remember, he had quite a, a whirlwind when he joined the Oilers. He scored against Edmonton in an exhibition game. And then he was put on waivers by the Dallas Stars, and the Oilers picked him up, and then he scored in his first game, first game of the regular season with the Oilers. He'll reflect on that story. Remember, he was uh, roommates with Connor McDavid in McDavid's rookie year in the NHL as Adam Lowry scores on a breakaway for the Jets, backhand five-hole on Carey Price. So Winnipeg back in it now, Montreal leading 2-1 with 8.08 left in the first and uh, Colin Fraser, another former NHLer who was briefly at Edmonton Oilers, he's going to check in as well. The big story over the last day or so, the Edmonton Elks, they get a name. They get a name. We talked a lot about it on the show last night. You heard from Chris Presson. You heard from Ryan King, recently retired, who uh, helped the team unveil the new name and the new logo, which is getting a lot of positive reviews from what I've seen. So let's go behind the scenes with the company and a couple of individuals who helped design the Elks logo. From DDB Canada, he's the Associate Design Director. Adnan Husainovich is on the line. Adnan, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And we also have the Vice President of Design with DDB Canada, Howard Poon, on the line. Hey, Howard, you're on with Reed. How are you? Great, thanks. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. This is this is really cool. Before we kind of dive into the specifics of how this went with the Elks, Howard, I'm, I'll start with you. Can you just kind of tell us a little bit about who DDB Canada is and the type of work you usually do? Sure. Uh, DDB Canada has been um, operating for over 40 years. Um, I think actually the number is close to 45. Um, and we have offices uh, across Canada um, and we belong to a global network. So there are over um, 200 offices in 90 countries around the world. And we do um, marketing, communications, and branding. Those are the areas that we specialize in. 
Okay. So, Adnan, look, and, and, and you guys are, are based in Edmonton, so I, I would assume that local perspective of what had happened with the team and why the old name went away and everything that the team was having to navigate, I assume that was very valuable to have that local knowledge in that process. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we followed everything along from day one, uh, just making sure that, you know, we were listening, listening to, you know, what the fans were saying, listening to uh, what our, you know, our clients are doing a lot of lot of work in the background, uh, the organization, um, you know, just making sure that this went, this went right. Um, so yeah, from a local perspective, uh, we really truly cared about uh, how the name the new name would uh, impact uh, the fans in the city. So, Howard, here's the thing, and I, like, I don't know how this works. I mean, so you got a sports team, and they're like, all right, well, we need a logo. So, so do they, like, did they have the name picked, kind of picked? Were there logos that you might have worked on for other names just in case or because there were kind of options? I just wonder how the ball gets rolling, Howard. Well, uh, we were helping uh, along the way uh, beyond just with the uh, logo design. So we we were asked to um, uh, participate in a competition for this work. And when we won the competition, uh, part of the um, the task was to assist with uh, the branding and the rebrand process, and uh, that included um, uh, helping the the club with uh, the criteria on the uh, the name uh, you know taking into account things like heritage and um, uh, extendability which means like applying it to merchandise etc and then uh, uh, right down to uh, coming up with the brand and while it while you know it's a it's a pretty big major uh, thing to be asked to work on a rebrand for such a uh, iconic uh, city organization. Uh, I think we focused and put our head down on uh, what the task was ahead, uh, one step at a time, uh, taking cues from the um, football team. And uh, when they told us the name, that's when we actually dove a little bit deeper. Uh, of course, we do a little bit of pre-work by um, looking at, uh, uh, I guess, uh, the um, what the standard is in the industry. And, uh, you know, we would look at the CFL, we look at beyond the CFL, the NFL, and other sports organizations, and, and then, you know, doing that research. But then uh, when they told us the name, that's when we got a little bit deeper and uh, started the process, which I think okay. Adnan would be able to tell you a little bit more about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I want to ask about that, Adnan, because, look, if this were a scene in a movie, it would be you and your other designers uh, like you'd be really stressed out and you'd go to a cafe and then somebody would scribble a logo on a napkin and then that would set the, <laughs> set the ball in motion. I don't know if it's quite that, uh, I don't know if it's exactly how we're, but how, how do you kind of start with those initial, initial designs? I think that sounds really romantic. I think that's kind of like the perception that a lot of people have of our logo designers. Like, here you go, uh, Klein, we just sketched it on napkin and you get one choice. But no, like really, uh, we we were a team, so um, I led the design process, and we had another designer here, um, uh, Tyler Balzer, who's not on the call, but you know did a lot of great work alongside me. And 
Um, we really did start with sketches, though. I mean, paper, iPad. Um, we we drew shapes. We on the computer. We you know we kind of try everything to try to make sure that um, we're we're kind of using the tools we have at hand to uh, create you know the best logo that we can. And uh, I you know normally like through our process, it did start with the sketches um, because we feel that um, you can communicate a lot with a sketch. So. Um, we did pages and pages of them. Uh, we would uh, narrow it down with our team, uh, just looking at each iteration. Um, you know, we went, we went through sketches of representational elk. Uh, we went through abstract elks. Uh, we, you know, we drew only antlers. Uh, we drew antlers, uh, you know, in shape of a football, which you saw how that manifested itself. That was one of one of the originals that kind of made its way through the. Um, kind of through the sketching process. So, you know, sketching was really our, our start. And, uh, and then from there, uh, once we, we have some meetings with the clients um, and we have our internal discussions, uh, we start to bring that into the, into the computer and start to refine it. Um, and then, you know, more magic happens there too, right? You have now some more tools to kind of start to build, um, build and refine uh, the, the mark and the logo. Okay, we got uh, Adnan Husanovic on the line, Howard Poon on the line. They're with DDB Canada, the company that designed the logo for the Edmonton Elks. Uh, you know, I'll just kind of throw this one out there as, as a comment, and if one of you guys want to respond to it, you can. But I was lucky enough to interview Todd McFarlane last year, the comic book artist who designed that Oilers flying oil drop jersey about uh, you know, a little over 20 years ago when he was one member of the... Um, the ownership group of the of the Edmonton Oilers, and he said he had about seven or eight designs, but he said I learned that you never show somebody your eighth best design because they might pick it. So I only showed them two, and they <laughs> and then the Oilers brass uh, picked one. I, I don't know if you can talk about elk specifically, but is there like how much do you nail do you, do you narrow it down when you show a client? Okay, we think. We think you should go one of these ways, sort of thing. Wow. Okay, that's a. Chris, can I jump in here and just say that you know, just the mention of Todd McFarlane is just amazing. I mean, I have all the Spawn, the entire Spawn collection, so I'll just throw that in there. (laughs) Um, So I really, you know, I really look up to him. so you know, I and and I would agree um, that we did we did have a lot of explorations, um, and 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 we do we do we don't show everything because you can't show everything. It sometimes confuses people. You know, if you show eight to eight to twenty uh, logo options, um, you know, you could be sitting at at a computer all day in a presentation all day. Um, I think it's our job to to narrow down based on our experience and our research and our you know and our talents and our abilities. The, the things that we, we really feel would, um, would symbolize and represent, um, you know, whatever we're doing. So in this case, we knew, you know, that a few of the options were the winners, and that's what we would present. Um, Howard, I don't know if you have any other comments on that. The only other thing I would throw out is that um, we always, uh, like I think you nailed it when you said um, uh, don't show something that you wouldn't want uh, uh, somebody to choose but you know realistically if if um, when we show something and the response is lukewarm 
uh, what that does is it gives us a signal that maybe we quite haven't we haven't quite hit the mark for the client uh, on uh, a piece of work. And in the case of working with the football. Uh, club, uh, they were really, really uh, upfront and honest with us about um, how they felt. And I think uh, by just listening to what they, uh, what their responses were, we were able to hone in and and um, maybe uh, better represent what they wanted the uh, the symbol, the icon, the, the final logo. Uh, because there's a lot of to mean for them and, and for the organization because uh, in the end uh, it's not just about the design that we like it has to be about a design that works for the organization that represents who their um, fans are represents the history of the team and represents where they want to go going forward okay guys this has been great uh, you know I, I've learned about how it gets designed as uh by the way the canadians are now up 4-1 on the jets with oh no this goal is not going to count no i think they just took a goal off the board the puck went in but so but it is 3-1 it is 3-1 for the canadians uh i'll I'll end with this uh adnan i'll start with you now that it's out there and it seems to be getting quite a uh, pretty good positive reaction and how it looks on the merchandise what what do you like most about the logo or what really clicks for you now that you've put the work in and it's out there Oh, I mean, for me, once you've spent so much time on the computer and in these discussions and, you know, it's kind of like a dream at a point where you're designing it. For me, it's just seeing it live, seeing it on merchandise, uh, seeing fans respond to it. Um, and definitely when I saw it on on the football field, right in the middle of the field, like that to me was an iconic moment for me, just seeing like the aerial view of the logo. Um, you know, it came to life at that moment for me. So, um, you know, I hope I hope the fans uh, enjoy it, take it away, do fun things with it because that it's for them. It's not it's not uh, um, it's our design, but it's it was done for for them. So, you know, take it away, have fun. And Howard, why do you think it works? I, I think there's something in the whole uh, um, uh, package that. Uh, there's something for everyone because I think the um, the rework of the double E uh, is a nod back to tradition, and I think some fans were very appreciative that it's staying within the um, the whole system. And and the uh, I've seen a lot of really positive feedback on the Antler football too, which you know some people um, uh, gravitate towards. And I love the application on the helmet, and and I couldn't say it any better than Adnan. I think when fans. Uh, start to love something and they they, um, they start to own it that's that's the best thing you can do with the brand just uh, let them run with it awesome guys well congratulations I, I think you did great work I, I'm in love with the logo and quite frankly I fall more in love with it uh, the, the more I see it so a great identity for the Elks Adnan Husainovich, Howard Poon from DDB Canada thank you so much for checking in tonight thanks Reed. thank you awesome There it is, two of the guys behind the Edmonton Elks logo, and as they mentioned, based right here in Edmonton. Yeah, 3-1 for Montreal. The the TV was flashing there for a second, but the the fourth goal uh, was not a legitimate goal. So uh, 3-1 Canadians late in the first. It's Inside Sports on Chet.
Okay, good to have you tuning in tonight. Buffalo wins the draft lottery, so they hold on to that first overall selection. Seattle also came out of the drum, so they move up from three to two. That bumps Anaheim down from two to three. So a good behind-the-scenes look there. Adnan Husainovich, Howard Poon from DDB Canada about the design of the Edmonton Elks logo, and they're both pretty happy with it, and it is... Uh, gone out into the world i was talking to a couple people uh, earlier today who ordered some merchandise as i did yesterday once the name was unveiled okay we have luke gazdick coming up former edmonton oiler recently announced uh, announced his retirement from pro hockey stoffer will check in a little bit later on colin fraser the certainty hotline 780-496-0063 certainty professional grade building materials that's how you get in touch if you want to give me a ring So first intermission in Winnipeg, it's 3-1 Canadians leading the Jets. Kotkaniemi, Stahl, Lowry scored shorthanded for the Jets, but then Suzuki scored. So 3-1 Montreal after the first in game one of the Canadian Championship Series. Yeah, I'm just going to call it that sometimes. Why not? Golden Knights and Avalanche will drop the puck at eight. Blue Jays in action tonight. And uh, in the top of the fourth now, the Blue Jays are tra- trailing the Miami Marlins 4-1. Thanks a lot for tuning in to Inside Sports this evening. And I am pleased to welcome back to the 630 Chet Airwaves, a gentleman who played 136 games for the Edmonton Oilers from 2013 to 2016. He recently announced his retirement. It is Luke Gazdick on the show. Hey, Luke, how are you doing? I'm good, Reed. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing very well. It's nice to have you on the show. It's great to reconnect. And I appreciate you taking time to do this because I know you've had several requests over the last few days because you've made a pretty significant decision to retire from pro hockey so let's start there what made you decide this is the moment i'm comfortable moving on from the game well you know i've tried to pinpoint that too uh i think everyone had just come to some point in their career where um you know you just you you, you can't do it anymore physically mentally i i was uh, i was pretty drained my body's been through a lot um, I played in a lot of cities for, for a lot of different teams and, and played a pretty hard, um, pretty hard game. And uh, it just came to a point, yeah, where I, I was kind of physically and mentally exhausted and um, ready, for, ready for a little bit of a break and, and a new, uh, new challenge and, and some new opportunities. So uh, you mentioned the, the mental and physical side of the game, and you played a role that isn't easy because you had to stand up for your teammates. You knew there were a couple guys on the other team who might say, I gotta, I'm going after this Gazdick guy. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked to a few players over the years who had that role. What, what was it like when you're in the NHL and then you kind of realize, all right, like, like this is who I, I, I am. I do other things, but I'm also relied on for something super specific and super difficult and sometimes super dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right. I um, I established that role in the minors my first year or two really um, quickly and and uh, and effectively, I think I would say. And then the next couple of years in the minors, I kind of had some room to work with, and I, I started getting on the on the score sheet a little more. 
And when I when I got picked up by Edmonton on waivers, it was kind of like I, I was back to square one, um, where I, I kind of had to reestablish myself. I think some people in the league already kind of knew about, you know, who I was and and the role that I wanted to play. But at the same time, I I still had to go out there and 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 then stir the pot and and make a name for myself. So that that first couple months in Edmonton wasn't easy. I was dealing with a lot of guys that I hadn't seen, and it was a new class of toughness and. I just wanted to cement myself in that position. And, and I knew from, from the early going, talking to management and coaches, the role that they wanted me to play. And it, it wasn't just being a tough guy. It was being a tough guy, but also having to, you know, play a regular shift. And I didn't contribute on the sports sheet too much, but uh, it was always a bonus when our fourth line uh, could get out there and provide some energy for the team. Okay, well, we got to talk about the score sheet, though. Because I believe, I believe, and I don't, I don't pretend to remember everything, but I believe you scored against the Oilers in a preseason game. That is correct. My and, last exhibition game, yeah. And then you got claimed. And then it might have even been the Oilers' first goal of the season uh, that year. It was in, it was in the first game. Uh, what, what do you remember about that? Because I think, was there kind of a bad angle shot that went in? What do you remember about the play? Yeah, the whole process was about 48 to 72 hours um i was in the final roster with the dallas stars uh, playing against the edmonton oilers in oklahoma city fittingly enough and um i was trying to mix it up a little bit with the uh with a couple tough guys there playing in edmonton but i ended up coming down on a two-on-one and i scored far side on devin dubnik and um, I thought I had cemented myself on that Dallas roster. I thought that was it. You know, I, I can, uh, you know, I've shown that I can score and I can fight and uh, it just wasn't meant to be. And within 24 hours, I was on waivers and I was picked up by, by the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I was on a flight to Edmonton and, uh, you know, within another day, you know, I'm playing in my first, first NHL game. And on my first shift, I, I lined up in the offensive zone and we had a set play that we had called it was called the Sedine where you went at the, the sentiment wins it right behind his feet and the wingers roll over and under and I rolled over top and threw it from you're right a terrible angle and uh it might have hit a couple of things that pinballed in there but at the end of the day it was my goal and I saw it go in and I raised my hands and yeah it was first first game first shift first shot first goal um and first Oilers goal of, of the season in our home opener and uh just an incredible incredible memory you still have the puck Oh yeah, I still have that thing it's at my house here in Toronto. Uh, it's on a nice little plaque, and it's not going anywhere. It's it's sitting there, and uh, it's always nice when people are people over. It's always something I like to show people because I'm obviously super proud of it. Yeah, Luke Gazdick joining us tonight on Inside Sports, former Edmonton Oiler who a couple days ago announced his retirement from pro hockey. Uh, you know, you were with the Oilers 13, 14, 14, 15, 15, 16, 15, 16. Uh, significant because it was uh, Connor McDavid's rookie year in the National Hockey League. I know he obviously got hurt and didn't uh, didn't play the the whole season. But tell me about briefly being his teammate. And uh, you know, hey, I know well, I know when I ask this question, people are say, "Well, they still haven't won in the playoffs." Okay, fair enough. But <laughs> to see, like, yeah. he just got over a hundred points in fifty six games. <laughs> I know he uh, he came in as a bright-eyed 18-year-old kid, uh, not only a teammate but um, a roommate. lived with uh, lived with me and Taylor um, in, in the same house and got to know him on and off the ice. Just an incredible kid, incredible human. Was a kid who even at 18 years old I was looking up to. Um, the work ethic he sh he showed and, and put in on a daily basis. 
wanting to win and wanting to be the best player on the ice was unmatched from anyone who I've ever played with. And I can say that honestly, and everybody knows that the skill level is, is unmatched. There there's players in the league that can, that can do some of the things he can do, but uh, as a whole, I've never seen a player move like him uh, at the speed he does. And I, I can call Oilers fans nerves, probably, probably not after, you know, the, the playoffs here, but they, they will win. They will win. Connor will win, and 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 the Oilers will win with, with him at their core and at the helm. I, I can I can tell you that just from seeing the the drive and effort that he puts in on a daily basis, he takes a lot on his own shoulders, and and they'll get there. Uh, I don't know when it's going to be. I hope soon. I'd love to see them make a, make a nice little run here in the next year or two. But they will win with him at the helm. He's just that good and that dominant. Yeah, yeah, incredible season, and then just uh, well playoffs. It's, uh, you know, it's funny. I had Kelly Rudy on my show last night. He's on every week. And I said, like, playoffs aren't fair. And he said, yeah, he goes, it's some people call it hockey, but some people just say the sport should be called goalie. <laughs> because, yeah. Like how many series have just turned on a goaltending performance too. I know. Right. I, I watch a lot of this North division hockey and uh, you credit where credit's due. Connor Hellebuck stood on his, stood on his head. Right. Uh, Mike Smith played amazing too. Had a great season as well, but in the playoffs, he, I thought he played amazing too. And, on the other side, you had Jack Campbell and Carey Price going head to head. It was just a battle of goaltenders every night, but that's what it comes down to. And uh, you need every single guy. And you know, it just happened to to come down to goaltending for for uh, for that series. Yeah, Luke. Uh, you know, as, as you as you went through your career, who were you mentioned Connor? Uh, but who were maybe a, a player to? You could have been an older guy, or maybe someone more around your age that. Is there anybody you look back on and say, wow, that guy was a mentor? Like, thank God that guy told me this or set that example. Because I don't know, you know, is there a guy you say, thank God he gave me that path because maybe I wouldn't have played as long as I did otherwise? Well, I'd have to start in Texas because when I came in as a 19-year-old, we had a very veteran core of guys that included, you know, Brad Lukowicz and Max Fortunis, guys like this that maybe you wouldn't even heard of, but uh, I ended up playing with Eric Goddard too, who taught me a lot about um, playing the game and and uh, playing that role. Uh, and then I got to Edmonton, and we were fairly young, but um, we did have some good leaders in place that I learned from um, Andrew Ferentz. Um, Boyd Gordon and Matt Hendricks were both on the team and they were incredible for me. Uh, Matt Hendricks taught me how to block shots and Boyd Gordon taught me how to battle every, every shift. Um, we usually had to start a lot of the draws in the D zone. So, um, I looked up to those guys a lot. A lot of the guys that, that, um, I learned a lot from were there in Edmonton. Um, and I'm thankful for that always. Do you have a most memorable NHL fight? Ooh, you know, I always go back to um, Milan Lucic, uh, the, the night we played Boston at home my rookie year. It was just everything just kind of culminated in, into, into that fight. Um, we had gone down a goal, and, um, and yeah, it was a guy I kind of wanted to – I had fought a, a decent number of guys, and he was the guy who I think could have just put me over the top. And um, not only was it a good fight for me, but I'd never heard Rex all so loud. It, it just, it, it, they erupted and we ended up, we, we came back, but we ended up losing the game and, uh, it was still pretty cool. The other one that always comes to mind is Brian McGrath. Um, that was hockey night in Canada, my first battle of Alberta. 
um, at center ice, um, you know, on CBC. And that's a guy that I used to watch fight. I grew up in Toronto. I used to watch him fight Ty Domi when he was with the Ottawa Senators. So now he's got his hands on me, you know, throwing over the top. And I just remember having to stay in there and being a little nervous for a second and, and just taking a breath. And, and when it was all said and done, um, I came away fairly unscathed, but um, that was another one that was really cool for me. Yeah, I remember that one. That was a good one. And I, I, I believe it was rather loud in the building. You're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luke Gazdick checking in tonight at Inside Sports. Hey, I, I'm hoping maybe you could take me back a little bit. I, I like to get that origin story, to use a superhero term. But, uh, you know, I think I believe your dad was drafted into pro hockey, and I think your brothers play as well. I'm not totally sure what, what level they, uh, they soared to. But take me back to... The, the Gazdick household as a kid, like were you the typical Canadian, you know, born with a pair of skates on or, or did you, what did you really yeah. dive into hockey? Yeah, it was about as, as cliche, but as unique as it comes, right? Uh, we had backyard ranks. My dad was a former, former OHL defenseman who got drafted uh, 66 overall to the Buffalo Sabres. Um, only played one year pro, ended up playing CIS. He was the captain at Western University. My older brother ended up playing in, um, at McGill University and then over in Europe. And my younger brother was an OHL player as well uh, for the same team as me and Erie. So um, we would be out there as kids on the backyard rink all the time. You know, credit to my dad. I, I don't remember how much work he put in until I realized it, you know, very recently about flooding down the rink every night and having that thing ready for us. And we were out there all the time playing one, one V one V one. And he was out there sometimes, you know, teaching us and we were learning from each other and learning from him. And we all grew up playing minor hockey together. We're, we're all a couple years apart, but um, you know, going to rinks, going to see my brother and my brother's coming to see me. So it was a family thing for the Gazdicks and definitely where I got that drive is uh, from, from my old man and, and from my brothers and my fam. We're chatting with former Edmonton Oiler Luke Gazdick. He retired on the weekend. More with Luke when we get back to Inside Sports. Tonight, Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. We are chatting with Luke Gazdick, the former Edmonton Oiler, announced his retirement from pro hockey over the weekend. Luke, thanks again for checking in tonight. I want to ask you, when was it for you, you sort of had that realization that you could make it, that you could play in the NHL? Because I think that's an important step in someone's brain to really believe that they can make it at the highest level. I think it was just a gradual process as I was playing pro. I played my first four full years in the minors without a call-up. And I remember my first couple main camps in Dallas, the older guys that were there, we had Mike Medano and Sean Avery and Trevor Daly and these guys there. And um, I just remember being very intimidated and, 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 and feeling like I wasn't ready. Like knowing that, you know, maybe I can do this for an exhibition game here or there, but I really don't know if I'm, if I'm ready for this. And then every camp I went there, I thought I got better and better. And it wasn't until that last camp, it was my fifth year pro in Dallas where I thought I played really well and I thought I was ready for the NHL. And that was when, um, it was probably after that exhibition game in Oklahoma City when I said, you know what, I'm here and I'm, I'm ready and I'm here to stay. And unfortunately, the Dallas Stars management didn't feel the same way, which was super disappointing. It was an organization I put, you know, the last seven years from when I got drafted into. And 
the Oilers felt uh, felt different about that and uh, came calling and gave me a chance. And just over those first couple games, I started fighting and I started skating up and down the ice. And that's when I thought to myself, you know, I'm I'm here and I'm here to stay. And uh, when you get picked up off waivers, you get a month, you get 30 days, uh, you know, on the team's roster. And I ended up being there for three years. So um, I, I, I'm guessing I'm guessing I was right there, and 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 I'm glad for every second of it. So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna be the uh... The Debbie Downer here and ask you the, the hard news question, so to speak. What, what, what do you think is the, is the future of fighting in the National Hockey League? It, it did go up again a little bit this year, but it was also, hey, you're playing the same team like five times a month, <laughs> which, yeah, yeah. you know, there's a lot of debate and, and sometimes you see head injuries or a guy gets popped and he's, you know, Jujar took one in the face and, and he went down pretty hard and, in Calgary, where, where do you think it's headed? And do you think there's always going to be a, a place for it, so to speak? I think your your last line there kind of took the words out of my mouth. It's I, I think it's always going to be there. I don't think it's ever going to be something that will be kind of like junior hockey now where you can only, you know, X amount of times a year. I, I think that's very tough, putting a cap on it, putting a limit on it. Um, I think it has a has a role in the game. I I, I sometimes even agree with that. There, there's fights that happen that I watch, and even me, a guy who fought my whole career, I was kind of thinking, you know, that's not really super necessary. But I, I always don't, you know, I always have respect for those guys. And there's some times really where, especially even watching towards the end, some guys taking really big runs on on skilled players, and knowing that they, there's no retribution for that. There's they're they're not going to have to stand up for themselves. Kind of it still irks me a little bit. So I always think there should and will be a place for it in the game, but it's definitely come down as, as you know, watching and, and analyzing uh, the game for as many years as you had. Um, definitely come down a lot, but um, it's starting to turn back around. You watch a couple of these series and, and some of these rivalries heading, uh, heading in that direction. Um, I remember, you know, reading about the New York Rangers thinking they need to get bigger and tougher. And there's, I know there's more teams in the league like them. So Maybe I left the game at the wrong time, but I, uh, I definitely am past that point in, in my in my life. So uh, I'm I have more fun watching it now than I than I do actually doing it. Luke, just a couple more, and thanks for being so generous uh, with your time. And maybe you haven't decided this one yet, but you know what's next. I know this is all pretty fresh, but is there anything bouncing around in your head that you want to jump into? I know that's the big question, right? Um, I think there's a certain amount of the population of, of hockey players that have something lined up and they're, and they're walking right into something or, you know, they have something set up and there's another huge majority that don't have a clue. And I, I would fall in somewhere in the middle of that where I, I think there's some things I'm definitely interested in, but I just kind of wanted to get my, my statement out there and let people know that I, that I was done playing and I'll see where this takes me, whether it's in hockey or it's, or it's a different direction. I'm, I'm open to any any sort of interpretation here, and and I'm excited to see what comes next because uh, I think I have some good talents and skills to offer um, on and off the ice. So um, I, I truly am excited to, to to explore new career paths or paths in in, uh, in plur- on plural. But uh, we'll see, man. I, I'm I'm not sure. All right, and the last one is you're on an Edmonton radio station, so we will assume the large majority of listeners are Oilers fans. What would you like to say to Oil Country? To be honest, the outpouring the last couple uh, days since I put that out there ha- has been incredible. And not just that. I mean, I- I'll get 
I'm not a huge social media guy. Never have been. I'm looking to get back into that a little bit, but I'll get tweets just now and then from, you know, Oiler fans and um, just saying, you know, we miss you in oil country and, and the amount of people that have reached out over the last couple of days saying, you know, once an oiler, always an oiler and, and cool stories that I, I had never, you know, even thought of or remembered, um, you know, stuff like, you know, you tossed my son a, a puck over the glass and warm up or, or you sign my picture and, you know, it's still hanging in my, you know, in my house or my Jersey or whatnot. And, and I don't even remember a lot of these things, right. Cause there's just so many people you meet over the, over the thing, uh, over the course of your career. But, um, the fact that I touched the, you know, people's hearts like that, and they still remember me, I think is so cool. Uh, it's the reason you do it. Uh, and all these messages that have been pouring in, have, have just been, you know, making me think that it was all worth it. Um, uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm glad that people, uh, continue to recognize that. I love oil country. I loved every second in it. It's tough place to play. It's hard. It's blue collar, but, um, I loved every second of it. Reed. Well, I love how you put that Luke and congratulations on your career and good for you for making this decision and all the best, whatever road you go down next, Luke, thank you for coming on the show. No problem. I appreciate it. Reed. Thanks for having me. That is Luke Gazdick. Good to talk with him, former Edmonton Oiler, and he's uh, moving on now beyond his playing career. Still 3-1 for the Canadians, almost seven minutes into the second period. Bob Stoffer, Colin Fraser in the next hour. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.